Hello, and welcome to Emissaries of Profits by Androids and Assets. I'm Stephen. And I'm Marshall. And this is the show where we discuss the happenings in the Bajoran sector of the Alpha Quadrant, and we discuss the economy, the politics, the conflict resolution uh, of the Federation outpost at Deep Space Nine. And today we are absolutely thrilled to have with us um, our very good friend, Laura, who has done an amazing thing and has watched DS9 for the first time at our behest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're, we're really, really, I, I, this is the, the sociological experiment I've been planning on my vision board for a long time, like drop someone into, into Deep Space Nine and see how they react. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Laura, for, for doing that <laughs> and agreeing to be yeah, part of, of this. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're very happy to have Laura here. Uh, you may know her from uh, her column with Progress Alberta, or if you're uh, Edmonton local, she is a big mover and shaker behind the Free Transit Edmonton campaign. Is there anything else I'm missing? Nope, that's pretty much it. I was on the Kino Lester podcast, but we had that that shakeup recently where Evan's kind of taken it over yeah. um, for right now because so I can focus on other things. But you should still definitely um, support him over there. He, there was that military coup with all the tanks in the streets. <laughs> yeah, there was a, a brutal uh, right wing <laughs> coup that took place where I was like marched off to be executed, and then I escaped, and um, now I'm just vibing until the next project comes along. Podcast Underground Railroad got you out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, but but still support Kino Lefter. They're wonderful. They, they are actually Absolutely. not a force of right-wing reaction. I guess Evan is no. not a force of right-wing reaction. <laughs> no, no. Evan's the most good-natured and sweet boy of, of them all. So. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing two episodes today. We had a double header for you, double header action. Uh, we're doing season two, episode nine, Second Sight which aired on November 21st, 1993. So at this point, the European Union was 20 days old. uh, Wow. Because it it was just instantiated on November 1st, 1993. So that's a fun fact for you. And our second episode is uh, Season 2, Episode 10, Sanctuary, November 28th. 1993 as well. Okay, so second sight. Cisco is having one of his like late night insomniac walks around the station, uh, runs into a mysterious woman. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the fourth anniversary of his wife's death. Right. Yeah. Runs into a, a woman who's dressed in in red. Um, very, very hot. Attractive. Yeah. 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 It's, but, it's, but it's not like a dress. It's like a onesie. <laughs> she has legs. Yeah. Yeah. But, a but, sexy but it's also. Cat suit. Yeah. It also yeah. has like flowing, but has like flowing tulle over it. It's super cool. And actually like <laughs> holds up to contemporary fashion. It's got that whole thing with like the straps that yeah. everyone's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. wearing now. <laughs> I think uh, when I watched this with my partner, she was like, I, I would wear that. That's something that yep. like, would have. Uh, so there's at least two outfits in DS9 that she likes. Kira's <laughs> shirt is the other one. Yeah, that little half jacket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> the little shrug. <laughs> yeah. So he runs into this woman, and they have an interaction. He is uh, super taken by her. Uh, finds out that her name is Fena, and then um, she just sort of like turns around. He turns around, and when he turns back, she's gone. Uh, and he's like, what the heck? And he's doing his best to figure out who she is. Uh, meanwhile, there's like a, a, a genius polymath scientist, uh, Dr. Sayatik is on the station for a, like the Genesis project. He's yeah. restarting the sun. Yeah, this is like the Leonardo meets Michelangelo meets Donatello meets Raphael. 
<laughs> the Ninja Turtles, not the painters. Uh, that's how big of a genius this guy is. Like a huge terraforming project, but it, that's what he normally does. But now he's like restarting a sun. He's getting into suns, yeah. Which, uh, like, is, uh, I don't know, the same science, I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Also, I don't know what a dead sun is. Like this notion, like, like I don't actually think there is like an astrophysics instance where you have like a lump, a black lump. Yeah, like a, like the sun just sun. got really too yeah, old. Yeah, it was, I, yeah, it was its time. I, it died. Yeah, because don't they explode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. They, they, and then they throw a bunch of shit everywhere, and they like will come back. Like they will come back to make suns again. Yeah, uh, like mm-hmm. like and actually like and you know like how many times a, a, a solar system has like collapsed and reignited based on like the density of the elements. So like, you know, earth has, our sun has collapsed at least once because we have elements wow. on earth that are more, uh, that are larger than iron because you can only fuse uh, a new sun can only fuse elements up to the atomic number of iron. Anyway, that's a, that's a fun fact, but <laughs> wow. I didn't know that we're getting way <laughs> off base here. Learning things every day. <laughs> so then, uh, I, I, I might need help on this. The, the scientist is like, well, everybody should come over to my place for supper as like just a, a send off so that I think, I think the important thing is that everybody hates him cause he's a real dick. Yeah, he is. He is a terrible person. As soon yeah. as he starts talking, you're just like, oh, he's stop. just like a narcissist. He sucks. He like thinks he thinks very highly of himself and how much of a genius he is. He has which all, becomes important later. Yes. He has the character flaw of all of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> he has Raphael's arrogance. Oh, Michelangelo's. Yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. We won't break it down. I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> and then at supper. Uh, his servant wife comes out with the, the meal that she's prepared, uh, and it turns out that it is th- that's the the woman in red, uh, except she's not wearing red, and I think her hair is slightly different. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is how you know that she's not the same woman, but it's the same mm-hmm. woman, clearly. And then we learn that his his wife, Nadell, um, her species, if they're really dissatisfied with life, just like will go into a coma and have uh, a psychic version of themselves manifest so like yeah yeah she 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 never followed up her success of her album 21 and or 24 what's what's adele's big album anyway <laughs> 24, 24 wait 25 yeah. i don't know okay, let, me, let me let me take that it's, again it's in the 20s <laughs> she had an album in the 20s no there is they're, they're like 21 22 i don't know anyway they're, they're named they're numbered after they're named after her age uh yeah yeah so it, it, then then cisco's like oh well this is a problem cisco's a chad <laughs> he is he's got a great voice <laughs> That's something I liked. I liked. I liked hearing him. He he and does seeing him. Yeah. It's pretty hot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's very hot. Yeah, all around great cat. Uh, there's there's a scene where he's like he's talking to Odo and he's describing like he's trying to describe Fena to her to to, to Odo. Mm-hmm. Sorry, which one's and Odo? He's the, 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 the brown guy, the shapeshifter. Like the, the shape. He he's got the weird nose. He doesn't do any. The guy who has like a doe face. Yeah, like he. Oh yeah yeah yeah. He's like the cop. Yeah, um, yeah. So and he says like and he says like and she's wearing 
red. <laughs> just, his voice gets so like sonorous and like deep, and it's Ooh, so it's head. so yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know like, what is what am I feeling? <laughs> I've never <laughs> felt this way before. Um, yeah, it's just very like uh, I'm so sorry. It's so thirsty. It's so thirsty. It's a lot of longing looks. It's a lot of barely touching. It's very like yeah. It's pretty pretty erotic. Yeah. yeah. Yet also very boring. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, just get to it already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they, the one time they kiss, she immediately disappears. So I think there's mm-hmm. like... And then and then the scientist is going on his mission. He takes a, a runabout with the other... With, with no, no he, takes a, he takes a ship. Yeah. So oh, he him takes a full he ship. He has a full right. ship. Yeah. I, yes. yes. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah. So they go off to restart the sun together. Yep. Uh, and basically at this point, like Nadell's uh, like despair tops out. And she completely collapses into herself, and Venna's there to stay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so they need to like figure out what to do. And um, but both of them will die because if Nadell is like unconscious and can't eat, uh, she'll just die. Which you know, I I'm suspecting, and this is just a guess. Doctor Bashir could probably work out something, you know, some sort of IV drip to give her that would just keep Nadell alive and let Fenna. <laughs> Like <laughs> that seems like the kind of thing Bashir would be way way too into. Right. He'd be yeah. like, this is gonna make a great paper. See how long I can keep this woman alive to indulge my superior sexual fantasy. <laughs> this is ethical. <laughs> uh yeah, cool. No, I'm just saying, anyway, like it seems yeah. like well, a thing that they would it, do. It does. It Bashir has no. Yeah, ethics. I mean they have the technology, but I think you get into a very uh, thorny ethical question on, you know, am I keeping this person's psyche alive while like enslaving their body or whatever? Could be an interesting episode. <laughs> <laughs> it really, w- I mean, we had just not long ago that uh, Dr. Bashir was you D- know, dating, dating and one of his patients. On one of his so. patients, yeah. That's cool. That seems that like, seems good. They get right into these thorny medical issues all the time. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so this, the ultimate solution to this uh, uh, is great, though, because Sciatech realizes, well, I'll just kill myself then. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so well, because kill- she mates for life like a duck or some kind of, you know, beautiful grub or bird that yeah. you watch on Animal Planet. <laughs> she can't she can't leave him. He's a dick. He's like, all my wives leave me because I suck ass. But this but I finally um, found one so that couldn't leave in, me. <laughs> instead of going to therapy, I'm going to blow myself up <laughs> on a sun you know it, it, i didn't i i thought it was a little dramatic but you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seems, so it's he seems like the type yeah he, i mean he dies he and then he's he's all he really cares about is he's flying to the sun is the fate of like the the 10th volume of his autobiography yeah. uh, and making sure it gets to the daystrom institute uh which <laughs> you know that's legitimate i guess <laughs> uh so anyway as soon as he dies though uh nadell Nadell uh, wakes up and releases a great comeback album. <laughs> <laughs> she apologizes, be like, "Well, I wish, I wish I was into you, hot captain, but I'm just not." And she leaves. Yeah, she's doing her own thing. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. Which, yeah, like her, her abusive husband just died. I can understand that she would like want to take some time for herself and like. Was was he abusive? I don't know. I just thought he was a loser. I, I think he's got to be at least like a, I mean, I don't know, like you're, you're a guy, you're incredible. Like he talks about how they met and this, I don't know, this for me is like, was like all kinds of alarm bells. He talks about how they met, like they met when he was like getting a medal for saving their planet. <laughs> right. And so it's like, mm-hmm. and like, she's like, she's way younger than him. She's problematic. From a different culture. Yeah. 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 Like, and then, and also as like a map, like is very famous and very powerful 
you know, and then then takes this woman on who then also then cannot escape their marriage. Uh, I don't know this. this, What kind of guy does that? Uh, And then (laughs) and then on top of it, like, yeah, it's problematic AF. And uh, I think he can't be a good guy. Like, like just there's too many like contextual cues that are like, <laughs> like you can't be that big an asshole and then and then set up this marriage that like privileges you in so many ways and not be like a s- total uh, slime ball. Like, mm, yeah, I can I can see that. I can see that point. But certainly none of that's ever made explicit. In mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I guess. um Aside from like the science issues uh, of which this episode has many, <laughs> uh, yeah. How did well, you this feel? Was my, this was my first foray into Deep Space Nine. Like I watched The Next Generation with my parents when I was a kid. I don't I remember that much of it, but I have I have good feelings about it. Um, so this was kind of like being dropped right into this, um, and I didn't really know what to expect. And I was like, this is like very soap opera-ish. You know what I mean? Like it's very, it was very like slow moving and um, it was kind of a meditative experience, I would say, with a lot of like instant falling in love and then just kind of like slow walks around and, and meditations on the stars, the running of the stars. I liked that part. Um, but yeah, I was mostly just thinking about the hair was great. The outfit was great. Um, and people were very attractive, which I was into. And I was like, Oh, like sexy aliens. That's cool. Um, so yeah, it was, it was interesting cause I, I it, not a lot happens, right? Like, no, not really. Big, <laughs> one- no, the, <laughs> the big thing is they have dinner and then he kills himself and it's kind of, <laughs> It's kind of the same emotional tenor when they're like, please don't do this. And he's like, I got you. And they're like, okay, well, if you have to, you have to. <laughs> Fair enough. I understand. <laughs> no one, they're like, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you have so much to live for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just can like barely contain their disdain as he's like flying into the sun to restart it, which which was cool. That was a cool scene when he like explodes into it and then the sun like rises again. I liked that. Yeah. My my dad walked in uh, to the room while I was watching this cuz he he came to he stopped off on his way home and he's like this show is more boring than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this was like, this was the 90s. This is before like shows were were novels, right? So you just had to have everything that you needed to know for that week, just in case you're coming in and out, which I appreciate. And I miss, I miss that kind of format sometimes, the like issue of the week, and then it just moves on. Yeah. Obviously with that, with that longer storyline embedded, but I didn't really get um, that. There was some hints of it in the second episode we watched about the the longstanding war, um, but it was very, it was very self-contained. It was good vibes though. Like it was, it was boring, but I, I, I had like good feelings. So yeah, I mean, for, for being dropped in, I thought the other one was more exciting and I was exciting in the way that, um, also nothing happens, but the discussions (laughs) were, were cool. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm vibing with this. So should I maybe yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Go yeah, over yeah. What, if you want to what happened in that one. Okay, right. you're going to have to help me with the names because sure. I never I'm not a you know, Evan always talks about the proper nouns, right? He he loves the lore, the deep lore. I'm like 
I'm a, I'm a skimmer. So I never retain anybody's names or relationships to whatever. I'm just more of a impressionistic watcher. You're never going to see these people again. So <laughs> why would you bother? <laughs> we haven't gotten yeah, you rep- hooked old- on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> No, I mean, who gives a fuck who leads the screens? Like, you're never, like, <laughs> never going to see the acne face aliens again. Just. Yeah, they. I, I, I did want to give them a good acid scrub. That was for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So basically, uh, on this episode, um, I don't know why, but they beam some people onto the ship, and they can't really speak their language because their, you know, universal translator can't pick up their dialect. And it turns out they've they've come from the other side of a wormhole, which I understand that Deep Space Nine is is near. So I'm sure that happens a lot. Um, and <laughs> so they come through. Uh, she basically like over time ends up explaining what happened to them where they came through. They have this prophecy basically about coming through this wormhole to become colonize, I guess this like land of sorrows and bring it back to uh, life. And it's a matriarchal society. So she's like Kira. Yeah. So she, they only respect her. Don't want to talk to any of the men. Don't want to uh, fuck with the male doctor, which I thought was cool. And they have a great scene where they're talking about like, is, are those your husbands? Like the men that are with him. And she's like, what? (laughs) And they're like, uh, are they people you sleep with? She's like, yeah, of course. (laughs) But, but they don't, they don't respect men. It's, uh, it's the end point of feminism. And the men are basically just, you know, they're little helpers, um, which is what all of us want to see. And, uh, yeah, so they want to go down to the planet where, um, Kira is from, don't know the name of it, Bajor. So they want to go down to Bajor. Bajor has been ravaged by, um, a war and they basically say no because we, they can't support, uh, these, uh, rough faced aliens. Um, they, they don't have the resources because they've, they're basically, it all goes down to like, do you have an obligation to take care of people who end up settling on your lands? And at the end, they decide, no, they send them off to um, some other planet that can support um, all three million of of the aliens from the other side of the wormhole. And uh, I think that's everything that happens. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, you did an excellent job. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's um, it's an episode that had some some like funny moments that they, they build in, which is good because the rest of it uh, can be a bit heavy. In, in some mm-hmm. ways. Um. This this posits that everyone is speaking in different languages to each other all the time, which I thought was, like, really cool. <laughs> like, it, it posits that, like, Kira doesn't know what language Cisco speaks. Like, Kira probably speaks, like, Kira speaks her own language and Cisco speaks English. And, like, and they're all just, like, talking to each other in different languages. Does he speak English or is well, it, or like, whatever. Some, some, like, yeah. Cajun you're, patois? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Future, <laughs> future neo-French. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's um, neo-French? Yeah. That's, yeah. like, his backstory? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, his dad yeah. runs a, a, a Cajun restaurant. <coughs> Cajun or Wait, Creole? Wait, okay. In, so in, in the future, <laughs> Louisiana still exists? Yeah. Oh, yeah. San Francisco is like the, the capital of the universe in the future. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, hold it. on. They're all... F- so, the humans are from Earth. That's They're still from Earth. Yeah, mostly. I mean, humans have gone and humans are starting to be from other places because they've okay. like started living on other planets for like 
about like what like a couple of decades now like oh at least 100 years yeah okay but yeah most most humans are still from earth yeah, so 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 Cisco is speaking hybridized Creole Icelandic, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and Kira speaking Bajoran. Yeah, and they which, have the universal translator that that translates it for us, which I think is is nice. So I've I've always been curious though, that presumably Miles O'Brien is speaking English with like his Irish accent, right? So I I always wonder when Kira hears him, does she hear sort of like a rural? Bejoran accent mm. to sort of like simulate that he's speaking <laughs> with an Irish accent. So she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get, I, I get it. Like you have that kind of. Yeah. Vibe. To simulate something from the periphery outside of the empire. That right. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this, this, we might, we might, I might cut this out later, but I want to, I want to indulge this. Uh, a friend of mine, she speaks Yiddish. And so she was very excited. She came to me very excited that inside, like I, I bought uh, the Yiddish edition of like a Yiddish translation of Harry Potter, mm. and uh, and and it's very like and and, it, and the the I guess the Yiddish translation of Harry Potter is making a big splash in the Yiddish translation community because basically this this translator uh, had to adapt like British like you know regional di- regional dialects and accents into different. Yiddish sub dialects, so he had Aww. to make like decisions about that, and I, I thought that was cool that he had to like this. He kind of had to find like comparable Yiddish, like Yiddish dialects to yeah. apply to. Well, that's like, English that's dialects. super interesting. I saw uh, a version of Fiddler on the Roof that was translated into Yiddish earlier. You know, when when travel was still possible, sure. <laughs> I was in New York and saw that it rocked. So uh, it was very interesting to like. Yeah, because I guess Yiddish is like, it's kind of a combination between like what, kind of a it, Germanic it, it, kind of thing? Germanic, or? Yeah, it's like a, yeah. It's a Germanic language that uses Hebrew letters, basically. But it, mm-hmm. and it has a lot, I mean, a lot of Hebrew loan words and cognates, but mm. uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's, mo- it's mostly mutually, mutually intelligible with German. That's cool. Yeah. The, the other thing that I think was interesting is like, um, I think like at one point isn't Kira talking again about uh, development in the in the northern peninsula? Yeah, which yeah. just seems like a very odd role for a like a, a military attaché to the space station. It's like she's she's not you know the issues manager for the northern peninsula, yeah. but there she is like dealing with a minister about well, we need more grain shipments and just like. What yeah. happened? Can you explain she, this to me? The, at, the, at the cold open, Cisco's like, you're behind in your work again. And she's like, I know, I know. I've been dealing with the Bajoran central government. Uh, and then it goes into like, yeah, because she's like, yeah. And we, we start getting hearing about issues in the Northern Peninsula and issues with the Council of Ministers. And I think I think it's true. It's really weird that an officer, particularly at like the field command level, like someone who is like out leading a detachment of troops at a location is like involved in agricultural policy. It's just a weird, it's a weird non sequitur. It, it makes a little more sense because it's going to come up again in the next episode. The the mm. the, nor- the politics of uh, the politics of the Northern Peninsula. So I don't know if they just like, well, where are we going to put this? Oh, I know. We're gonna we're someone's going to we'll turn on, that scene. Yeah, someone's going to turn on this show for the first time, as you did, <laughs> and and they are going to get a and they're going to get a forty second discussion about fertilizers and fertilizing and canal development on a peninsula (laughs) (laughs) on a planet (laughs) i just like i can't imagine you know basically any 
my 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 brother is uh, is in the army, and I can't imagine any soldier in his like chain of command just phoning a minister to be like, "Hey, can I talk to you about <laughs> <laughs> this issue?" <laughs> and, and that's like a national government. The the she phones a minister for an entire planet and is just like, "Let's hash this out, you and me. We'll solve it." <laughs> I'm always calling Christia Friedland and she never gets back to me. She never returns my calls. It's very frustrating. I have a lot of thoughts about foreign policy that nobody listens to. Nobody takes me seriously. I mean, I, I read your white paper on Ukraine and it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So the, the show we were just talking about what part of it? <coughs> well, we just finished oh, the summary, yeah. so we were... Well, and just that, uh, well, yeah, there were some funny so, bits. So, I mean, we could we could launch off into, because, you know, so while we're on this thing about Yiddish, we can just loop right back around to Israel. <laughs> <laughs> A safe topic <laughs> that everyone likes to discuss with their oh, parents. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I just thought there's just this one thing, and it just really, really jumped out at me. And then it, it, it just, it was so, it stuck in my brain so much, it short-circuited my entire thinking about this episode. But because one of the things they want to talk about is, um, one of the things that the Screens want to do is settle on the Northern Peninsula, which we've talked, which we were just talking about <laughs> coincidentally, and wow. how they, they need, they're trying to like turn into a farmland there. Um, they're trying to hew, turn into an agricultural sector. And coincidentally, the Screens are very agriculturally minded. So, yeah, they want to go there and basically and like and and the the leader of the the de facto negotiator for the screens says, "We could have made that peninsula bloom, damn it." Uh, mm. and that's and that of course is a very like common trope in in justifications for the state of Israel, like the notion that mm-hmm. the notion that Israeli settlers in coming to uh, Israel took this dry, dead desert squandered by these ignorant Arabs and turned it right. into like a, a beautiful place uh, filled of mm-hmm. agriculture and irrigation and all these things. Um, you know, and of course that goes back to Joan Peters' book from from time immemorial, which is like a really famous like kind of book on Israel's entitlement to Palestine. So. When was that, when did that book come out? I'm, I've never heard of it. Uh, man, I don't know the date. I think it's like somewhere. I think it was published like in the sixties or seventies. Like it's like right. It's uh, it's 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 uh, it's very, it kind of. I I really only know it because Norm Norm Finkelstein like did his doctoral thesis on mm. that book. <laughs> Norman Finkelstein is a power poster. <clears throat> like, have you been wa- like watching his uh, feed lately? It's crazy. He goes. He goes oh, absolutely yeah. ham. He is so mad. <laughs> He, he stays, he's so mad. He's mad. He is mad online, uh, 100%. Love him. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's Critical to be fair. To be to fair, Norman he's Finkelstein. Al- <laughs> yeah. He's always been crazy, though. Like, did you see that video of him, like, uh, talking about, like, uh, like there's that girl crying when it was lecturing? Like, I don't respect that anymore. I really don't. I don't like and I don't respect the crocodile tears. It's so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is all very fresh for me because of because of a lab because of a lab talked about this recently. But anyway, we're getting on. We're really getting on. Books from 1984. Oh, 1984. There you go. 
uh, yeah. So and that would be that's kind of an interesting parallel too because um, that would also kind of coincide. And this this show would also be a, a kind of um, not necessarily responding to. I, I don't imagine it would be, but a kind of. Um, uh, contemporary, com- contemporaneous with um, that 1980s, mid 80s um, venture between like the people Lebanon. who are like pro Israel and then also like the evangelical right, like that idea mm. of the Judeo Christian values and that coming into um, that also like serving as justification for why you know the U.S. has to support um, Israeli occupation and Israeli colonization. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I really like the idea that the Bejorans are like, oh, well, we can't possibly support three million more people uh, on on our planet. There's mm-hmm. there's no way that that could ever functionally work. Uh, but in in episodes, I think like the previous one and the next one, they talk about uh, Bejoran settlements on other planets. Yeah, that's that's also mine. Which is like. Okay, wait. You don't have the like the, the infrastructure to support the people living on your planet. And yet you spend like resources to shuttle them somewhere else and support them with huge supply lines. What what? <laughs> and, and, and they they even discuss famine. Like they talk about how they are facing like how they're like highly one, one bad yeah, winter. They're how they're highly food insecure. Uh, which, mm. which again, like in an interplanetary system, theoretically, like it, 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 it buys this like kind of dumb common sense logic, which the right uses all the time, which is like this notion of like, what can you feed yourself? Like, you know, like it, it relies on this like Bajor is a planet feeding Bajor. But the notion is mm-hmm. like Bajor exists in a broader system, just mm-hmm. like countries live in an international system. And like there's no real reason that people should have to like complete, should have to starve. Right, mm-hmm. because we have a, like exactly a distributive system, right? So when we, mm-hmm. so when people starve, when people are starving in this global interconnected system, it's a choice right. that that system collectively makes, uh, and mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a fa- like. <laughs> there's going to be shortages here or there or everywhere all the time. Um, there's also going to be surplus <laughs> going on, right? Yeah, it's Beijing's own fault though for being occupied, right? <laughs> like. If they just hadn't been occupied and if their land hadn't been salted, they wouldn't have this problem. So what was the context of the war? Like, what happened? Uh, so the Cardassians are another spacefaring empire, uh, and mm-hmm. they just came over and, and conquered Bajor and occupied it uh, for 50 years. And it was it's a very harsh occupation. Uh, forced labor. Um, chain link fences everywhere yeah space mm-hmm. yeah they they murdered people so so kira uh is was a member of the resistance uh, and that's sort of like her her claim to fame is that she she fought the cardassians uh and now they're gone and they're out yeah the cardassians are forced out and the space station that they're on the the deep space nine it's got that like it's a circle and it's got those like spikes on it that's a cardassian mm-hmm. design like that was the the cardassian space station that was used to like that was their head. That was their base. That was their base yeah. of operations. They used that to to um, um, what's the word? Oppress uh, the Bajorans. Mm-hmm. 
And then so it got taken back over by good guys. <laughs> yeah. So then the Bajorans, uh, they fought this this uh, uh, rebellion for some number of years, the resistance. And eventually they it was enough of a nuisance that it forced the Cardassians out. Yeah. And the Cardassians kind of, yes, the Cardassians uh, liberated Bajor as part of a settlement to the broader war. They were fighting with the Federation and the Federation kind of came to give patronage to Bajor. So yeah, the Bajorans have said, please come and operate this space station for us because we don't really have the resources to do it. And also, if you have personnel here, then you'll have a vested interest in like protecting the space station and, and our planet. So Makes sense. it's the logic of having a U.S. It's like having a U.S. military base in Qatar. <laughs> like, you're just like, Saudi right. Arabia can't <laughs> fuck with us if there's, a, if there's a U.S. Air Force base here, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. I, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird logic on, on the Bajorans part to be like, we will gamble and send Bajorans to other planets on the hope that those planets will produce an excess of food, a surplus and send it home again to keep us all fed. But we it's like won't like a temporary gamble. foreign worker program kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In a lot of ways. Uh, but then when they have the opportunity to bring in refugees, uh, you know, like most people who engage in temporary foreign worker programs, they are very uh, opposed to the idea of allowing refugees to settle on their own planet. Well, they ran the simulations and simulations don't lie. We know that. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> no, no simulation, no simulation or projection was ever uh, politicized. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really want to know what they put in into the model. They're like, here's a race of aliens that we've never encountered before. We have no idea of their technology or their abilities. Uh, but we know they're going to fail, 100%. They got that uh, technology from, like, uh, Bill Gates doing the coronavirus uh, <laughs> simulation, put us all in the pandemic. <laughs> okay, thanks for coming on. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was accurate. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> They're like, oh, gee, a, uh, a novel coronavirus would literally push all of our shit in. <laughs> like, <laughs> they were right. They were <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did they do anything with that knowledge? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I totally get why they would say no, because if they were successful, then you have a huge problem uh, of like aliens came in and run your planet better than you do, uh, which is a, a real bad look. Uh, and if they're not successful... You either have to like just let them die, which is a bad look, uh, <laughs> or you have to try and feed them, which they don't have the capability of doing. And apparently the Federation is also willing to just be like, yep, <laughs> they can die. <laughs> you need to listen. Sometimes you need to learn tough lessons. <laughs> and sometimes you have to let three million aliens die on your northern peninsula. <laughs> but we're learning from this. Did you learn? That's what matters. <laughs> Well, and if the Federation is going to support them on a different planet, I don't know why they wouldn't be like, yeah, look, Bejor, if you're willing to gamble on this, we will offer like a, a, a food backstop program that like nobody will die because they settle on your northern peninsula. We guarantee it. They it seems pretty sure of themselves that they do a good job with it. Yeah. It, yeah. It also, you know, give them give them 10 years. If they don't yeah. uh, turn that northern peninsula into a paradise, kick them out. Pilot project, baby. Got to test it. P3, right? <laughs> yeah. We, we love P3s on this podcast. We talk about we, them all the time. We love P3s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... 
you know, yeah, we'll have an expert in P3s on at some point because we're going to interview my dad and he like spent his whole career working on them. So I'm excited <laughs> to talk about. Uh, anyway, uh, we are going to, yeah. So but I think one of the things that troubled me the most is this notion that there's just like a bunch of empty planets that can sustain life. Like, well, mm-hmm. we're checking the we're checking the empty M class planets for somewhere to settle <laughs> them. Like, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa. Okay, you're telling me there's just empty planets out there? I mean, obviously there yeah. were. You know, well, yeah. Um, I mean, like you think about it, the Federation is, is it's just a like a, a a pyramid scheme to get new planets. So they just expanded as fast as they could to bump up against other major space empire borders and they're like everything in here is ours you can't have it <laughs> but I, I think i think there's and this is where i think we get into like the sinister part of this episode and, and this is i think also why the stuff about israel is going to come back because one of the things this show can't do it can't openly def- it can't endorse but it also can't openly reject the concept of ethnostate right mm-hmm. the notion that bejor is for bejorans it won't say that. Well, they do say that on another episode, yeah, and then so, they say yeah. that's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, the bad they, guys yeah. say Bejor for Bejorans. Yeah. yeah. So, the, so they, yeah. So they won't say that outright, but they also will not allow, like, the ethno state of Bejor is still tacitly inviolate, and so, so you have this like big empty world, big empty universe that you can always dump people and defer people, and that can allow this Wilsonian delusion to persist indefinitely. Uh, I'm getting off my soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, this, but this notion that like a people gets a planet, right? Like, you know, yep. that, that's like, and that's, that was Woodrow Wilson thing, the 14 points, like every people get a country. And that is, I mean, what may be one of the most asinine ideas ever wondered aloud uh, <laughs> in the entire Versailles conference yet became the defining feature of the war of the, of mm-hmm. the post-war settlement. Right. And I mean, we see it play out in crazy ways, uh, like, like in Turkey. Where Turkey was like, mm-hmm. okay, great, Turkey for Turks. Well, what about the Kurds? They're mountain Turks. What about these <laughs> Greeks on the coast? They can fuck off. They can leave, <laughs> right? And you get the massive ethnic, you get the cleansing of Armenians. Yeah. Kurds become mountain Turks. Armenians get marched to, the, marched to Armenia. Greeks get kicked off and pushed into Cyprus or Greece and then pushed out of Cyprus uh, subsequently. Like, <laughs> like the damage this notion causes is massive in the mm-hmm. world. And like, it's also, I mean, it's also a play with Israel. It's just like, well, Israel gets Israel. Well, that happens to be where Palestine is. Where do the Palestinians go, right? And all this kind of stuff. So it's actually a really bad, like, measuring <coughs> measuring rights as the, a thing that you allot to an ethnicity. And, like, as long as every ethnicity has a place, then there's no problems. It's not actually a good way to organize no. and manage uh intercultural and international relations, right? Mm-hmm. Ethnicity is a bad basis for a state, I guess, is really <laughs> what I'm saying. Because um, that, because yeah. it basically means that you, you've wired racism into your nation state. Right? Totally. Or this, or this idea, like what the foundations of like fascism are like that the people are bound not only by geography, but by this like thick primordial um, bond between people. Right. And that's like, there's a national character that extends past um, notions of statehood to blood, blood and soil. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is like straight up Nazi ideology, which mm-hmm. is but which is but I mean, is it very confused because that is exactly what is the official position of the state of Israel, right? Uh, right. 
but but no one can say that. <laughs> it's like, but also that cannot be that cannot be acknowledged. Except um, Norman Finkelstein, he'll yeah, fucking say it's your say face. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. So, uh, any any like any last thoughts on on uh, these either episode or or like. DS9 as you're, you've experienced it? No, I don't think so. I think that most of the things that I was really into were like aesthetic. Like I liked the, um, you know how it has that like square, that square screen um, that always makes me feel good to see. Um, and I loved the, I hate um, really sharp, like when you watch things and they're on like 4K or whatever. I'm like, I don't need to see that much. Right. So I really liked the kind of like gauzy <laughs> Vaseline thing. I'm just like more, uh, yeah, because because I'm missing the lore, I was just more uh, on board for like the aesthetic experience of watching um, this, which I which I thought was was uh, good vibes. It was it was very it was very chill lo-fi experience to, to watch <laughs> people just kind of like talk about things and nothing really happened yeah B- bathed in the light of the cathode ray tube yeah it's like <laughs> yeah here 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 i find communion exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We got to do. We got to do video drone some point. <laughs> <laughs> they did a very good job uh, with with all of the aesthetics of of the show. Like, you can always tell when there's like a person who doesn't belong to the the station or to a, a particular planet. You're always like, oh yeah, no, they're they're different. Like you can tell because either yeah, they they need a good exfoliant or uh, <laughs> <laughs> or their nose is attached to their chin. Yeah, th- things like that. You know, like <laughs> their forehead is a little bit different. Yeah. Nature uh, would never design that. It would never design a permanent closure over your mouth. Right? Evolution. It doesn't... did. Don't question it. <laughs> you don't know that. You haven't been. You haven't been to deep space past the wormhole. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, but like all of the the design aesthetics are, are are like very specifically chosen. So like you can tell. Who who the screens are, you know, at a, at a quick glance of like, yeah, they're they they don't belong here. And the Bajorans are the ones with the 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 shrugs that they wear. And uh, Quark has his like Mater D long tail coat. And uh, so you're like, well, he's clearly a, a bartender, uh, <laughs> as it is. Aesthetically, quite a um, a fun experience and you're like mm-hmm. trying to figure out all these people and you see the different ships and it just really reminded me of sitting too close to the TV when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like that kind of that episodic kind of feel that I feel like is completely missing from stuff that we see on Netflix, which is designed to try to get you to sit there for as long as possible and consume as many episodes all at once. It's a very, it was contained and it, you could really like feel that there was supposed to be like distance in between the episodes, yeah. um, which which is like something that you don't see as much, right? No, absolutely. Cool. Whereas nowadays you're sitting there in, at, late at night and you're like, why did I watch all of the war for Cybertron? This was so <laughs> bad. Why? And I feel like the it's the thing with um, Netflix shows and stuff like that that's designed to be like binged, which is a disgusting way of like <laughs> describing any kind uh, of accurate accurate media experience yeah it's just like um something fucking crazy will happen in the last five minutes it'll be boring all through and then something crazy will happen and then you have to like keep watching and this had the it was opposite it was like chill vibes little like 
it was like out of van in a show. It was very, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is really fantastic that it's like, you know, we, we've been, my partner and I've been watching it. So we, we watch, you know, a, about an episode a day, but if we go, you know, a, a few days without watching, there's no like, okay, now what, what happened last time? What am I, <laughs> yeah. what am I forgetting? What did I miss? Yeah. Uh, that happens with every other TV show now. Yeah. No, that's great. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on uh, and, and doing this with us. Yeah, uh, of course. We really appreciate Thanks for it. Having me on. <clears throat> uh, do you want to, where can people find your work? Uh, what's, uh, you can mostly find me posting on uh, Twitter at underscore Saturn Return. Um, I'm also really involved with the Free Transit Edmonton campaign. Um, so we have a bunch of stuff uh, on there and a lot of cool stuff coming down the pike. And uh, finally, I write, I'm, uh, as you can maybe tell from <laughs> my, my reference to the pandemic, I am a conspiracy theory nut. So I write about conspiracy theory and um, how it relates to kind of left politics and, you know, uh, um, the Al- specifically in Alberta, I always try to relate um, larger kind of global conspiracies back to our fair province here. So I write for Progress Alberta once a month. So you can check me out there as well. Thank you very much. And yeah, it was really great having you on. So, uh, yeah. and if you, people want to find us, they can find us uh, androidsandassets.ca. Uh, they can also find the show at Asset Droid on Twitter and Instagram. And where can people find you, Marshall? What's your. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter uh, at Econoboid. And I'm on Twitter at Steve Droids. That's plural. <laughs> and uh, next time you're, you know, uh, lapsing into a coma and psychically projecting. Uh, into the wild night hedonistic nightlife uh, maybe put on our podcast for your fellow <laughs> revelers <laughs>